Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and it's a real good book, so stick with it. Um, really good. And I think everyone in America has to read it in school, regardless of the quality of the book. You all have to read it. So I'm here to help. You can listen to me instead of reading a book. <laughs> Let's dive in before I send all of you away before the video's even started. <laughs> the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was written in a time when terrible slurs and actions were used to oppress the African-American people. These words and actions still cause harm today, and I, Isaac, would never wish to do so to any of these people. Any racial slurs that occur in this book shall be bleeped to avoid causing offence, and to guarantee that I can get paid for making these videos. I do have a belief that you cannot censor the past, and that by trying to censor books, you are trying to pretend that the actions of our ancestors didn't happen. And for this reason, the book shall be remaining unchanged apart from these little bleeps. If you still find this triggering or offensive, then please check out another book. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 10 After breakfast, I wanted to talk about the dead man and guess out how come he'd be killed. But Jim didn't want to. He said it would fetch bad luck. And besides, he said he might come and hunt us. He said a man that weren't buried was more likely to go a-hunting around than one that was planted and comfortable. That sounded pretty reasonable, so I didn't say no more. But I couldn't keep from studying over it and wishing I knowed who shot the man and what they'd done for it. We rummaged the clothes we got and found eight dollars in silver sewed up in the line of an old blanket overcoat. Jim said he reckoned the people in the house stole the coat, because if they'd known the money was there, they wouldn't have left it. I said I reckon they killed him too, but Jim didn't want to talk about that. I says, and now you say it's bad luck, but what did you say when I fetched in the snake skin that I found on top of the ridge the day before yesterday? You said it was the worst bad luck in the world to touch a snake skin with my hands. Well, here's your bad luck. We raked in all this truck and eight dollars besides. I wish we could have some bad luck like this every day, Jim. Now you mind, honey. Now you mind. Don't you get too bad. It's a coming. I tell you, it's a coming. It did come, too. It was a Tuesday that we had that talk. Well, after dinner Friday, we was laying around in the grass in the upper end of the ridge and got out of tobacco. I went to the cavern to get some and found a rattlesnake in there. I killed him and curled him up at the end of Jim's blanket, ever so natural, thinking it'd be fun when Jim found him there. Well, by night I forgot about the snake. When Jim flung himself down on the blanket while I struck a light, the snake's mate was there and bit him. He jumped up, yelling, and the first thing the light showed was the varmint, curled up and ready for another spring. I laid him out in a second with a stick, and Jim grabbed Pat's whiskey gun and began to pour it down. Well... He was barefooted, and the snake bit him right on the heel. That comes my being such a fool as not remember that wherever you leave a dead snake, its mate always comes there and curls around him. Jim told me to chop off the snake's head and throw it away, and then skin the body and roast a piece of it. I done it, and he eat it, and said it would help cure him. He made me take off the rattles and tie them around his wrist, too. He said that would help. Then I slid out, quiet, and throw the snakes away amidst the bushes for I wasn't going to let Jim find out it was all my fault. Not if I could help it. Jim sucked and sucked at the jug, and now and then he got out of his head and pitched around and yelled. But every time he come to himself, he went sucking at the jug again. His foot swelled up pretty big, and so did his leg. But by and by, the drunk began to come, and so I judged he was all right. 
but I'd rather be bit with a snake than Pep's whiskey. Jim was laid up for four days and nights. Then the smelling was all gone, and he was around. I made up my mind I wouldn't ever take a hold of a snakeskin again with my hands, now that I see what had come of it. Jim said he reckoned I would believe him next time, and he said that handling a snakeskin caused such awful bad luck, maybe we hadn't got to the end of it yet. He said he'd rather see the new moon over his left shoulder as much as a thousand times than take up a snakeskin with his hands. Well, I was getting to feel that way myself, though I've always reckoned that looking at the new moon over your left shoulder is one of the carelessest and foolishest things a body can do. Old Hart Bunk had done it once and bragged about it, and in less than two years he got drunk and spread himself out so that he was just a kind of layer, as you may say, and they slid him edgeways between two barn doors for a coffin and buried him so, so they say, but I didn't see it. Pap told me. But anyways, it all come from looking at the moon that way, like a fool. Well, the days went along and the river went down between its banks again. And about the first thing we done was to bait one of the big hooks with a skinned rabbit and set it and catch a catfish that was as big as a man, being six foot and two inches long and weighed over 200 pounds. We couldn't handle him, of course. He would have flung us into Illinois. We just sat there and watched him rip and tear around till he drowned. We found a brass button in his stomach and a round ball and lots of rubbish. We split the ball open with the hatchet. There was spool in it. Jim said he had had it there a long time to coat it over so and make a ball of it. It was as big a fish as was ever catched in the Mississippi, I reckon. Jim said he hadn't ever seen a bigger one. He would have been worth a good deal over at the village. They peddle out such a fish as that by the pound in the market house there. Everybody buys some of him. His meat's as white as snow and makes a good fry. The next morning, I said it was getting slow and dull, and I wanted to get a stirring up some way. I said I reckon I would slip over the river and find out what was going on. Jim liked that motion, but he said I must go in the dark and look sharp. And then he studied it over and said, couldn't I put on some of them old things and dress it like a girl? That was a good notion too. So we shortened up one of the calico dresses, and I turned my trouser legs to my knees and got into it. Jim hitched it behind with the hooks, and it was a fair fit. I put on the sunbonnet and tied it under my chin. And then for a body to look in and see my face was like looking down the joint of a stovepipe. Jim said nobody would know me, even in the daytime, hardly. I practiced around all day to get a hang of things, and by and by I could do pretty well in them. Only Jim said I didn't walk like a girl, and he said I must quit pulling up my gown to get my breeches pockets. I took notice and done better. I started up the Illinois shore in my canoe just after dark. I started across to the town from a little below the ferry landing and the drift of the current fetched me in at the bottom of the town. I tied up and started along the bank. There was a light burning in a little shanty that hadn't been lived in a long time, and I wondered who took up quarters there. I slipped up and peeped in at the window. There was a woman about 40 year old in there, knitting by a candle that was on a pine table. I didn't know her face. She was a stranger, but you couldn't start a face in that town that I didn't know. Now this was lucky, because I was weakening. I was getting afraid I'd come. People might know my voice and find me out. But if this woman had been in such a little town two days, she could tell me all I wanted to know. So I knocked at the door and made up my mind I wouldn't forget I was a girl. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcasts, leave a review. That really helps me out. Five stars most definitely preferred, but 
Do as you please, you have free will, but five stars is great. Once again, thank you very, very much for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.